Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bêche, meaning digger. Welcome along, everybody, to the Cricket Badger podcast, another edition, 500 and late 30s, I think it is, of the uh, Cricket Badger podcast. It's a special one today because we welcome Polly Starkey to the podcast. Polly, how are you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, I, well, I need to do the housework first. Uh, Sponsored by Manscaped.com for the very best in male grooming, quote, badger. When you order, you'll get 20% off and free shipping. But yesterday, it was Valentine's Day. I think you've got my metaphorical cards because we basically introduced, uh, inducted four new people into the Cricket Badger set of fame. And you, Polly, were nominated by one of the previous recipients, uh, Roberta, Roberta Moretti Avery. Sorry, Roberta, get your name right. And um, you're in. You're one of the Cricket Badges set of fame. Congratulations and welcome. Yeah, thanks so much. It's pretty cool. Um, when I got the text, I was, I was quite surprised. And um, yeah, to see the other people, you know, I was nominated alongside is also pretty amazing. What I like about that, um, I mean, I like it because I introduced it. So that's the first thing. But I um, I like it because it's something which it doesn't, you don't have to score 30,000 test match runs. You don't have to take 500 test match wickets. It's celebrating a love of cricket. We've had a wide range of uh, people going into the uh, Cricket Badger set of fame. You're the second year um, of the Cricket Badger set of fame. And obviously Roberta was in there last year. We had... Uh, um, Jason Gillespie was in last year, Annie Chave and Jacob Lund. So very different in terms of ages, very different in terms of obviously sex and uh, and their experiences within cricket. And it's no different this year either. David Griffin, photographer, Derbyshire, a campaigner for um, county cricket yourself, Roland Butcher, a former England player, uh, and Justin Langer, a former Australian player and coach. So it's a, a bit of a mix, but uh, you're in good company, I think. 
Yeah, definitely. I saw the list and I was like, I have not scored as many runs as most of those people on that, but that's all right. <laughs> what I've been asking um, the others when they've come on is, uh, obviously, the, the Cricket Badger um, set of fame, it's about a demonstrable love of cricket. What is it about cricket that you love? What is it about cricket that's kind of sucked you in and makes you want to go back and see more and, and revel in it? Um, I think it's probably that it just doesn't make any sense. Like it's such a stupid sport when you kind of break it down. And I've kind of found this with explaining it to friends or certainly people who haven't, like I suppose their country doesn't have cricket as a big sport. There's like, mm-hmm. well, why do you love this so much? Like, why does why is, is this something that consumes your day? And I think it's just because it has so many niche rules, so many bizarre things. Um, and I think I just love things that are a bit weird and a bit random. Um, and I think I also really like the fact that not everyone knows about it. I mean, that's quite cool because um, I suppose you can become the expert in that. And I've kind of found, found that across the last couple of years that well, actually loads of people won't know about really niche uh, women's cricket in you know Brazil for example but actually that's yeah. something I can know and not yeah. everyone else knows that and I think I don't know I find that quite cool I was well you reminded me of Wetleg who won the Brits won the group at the Brits I've been following them and listening to them for about the last two years and uh, now I'm a bit disappointed because now they're kind of like mainstream and it's, it's different and, and I know what you mean about kind of niche and kind of almost feeling like it's all for you and just just you on your own um, I mean, there are a few more cricket lovers out there. Um, otherwise, we're just talking to ourselves, Polly. Um, but the, um, I, I mean, I, I've I've never really got my head completely around cricket. It's a very strange sport. And if you actually if you actually analyse any sport, you know, football, it's a bag of wind being kicked around. Cricket, it's a bloke with a stick facing a, another man with a ball or a woman with a ball, seeing how far they can hit it. Golf, you know, it's, it's even more bizarre, isn't it? They're all weird, aren't they, really? Yeah, definitely. And I think the thing that's so good about cricket is there are so many bizarre things that affect it. I remember having to try and explain how clouds affect cricket. Like, why is that even a thing? But it's great and it it makes me love it even more. That's the weather and and the pitches, because I think people from just outside the game kind of look on every now and again, can't understand why one day a team can get 550 in a test match and the following day a team's bowled out for 63. But the conditions and the pitches and everything just make so much difference, don't they? Yeah, 100%. And even things like playing in different countries and the different conditions of that, I I, I think it's quite interesting. I'm not particularly into science or maths or whatever, but cricket has just made me you know be obsessive over the weather and yeah. obsessive over what the ground's like and things like that it, it's quite bizarre a friend of mine who covers the game um basically says he never looks at weather forecasts because it's just a waste of time because half the time they're wrong it just depresses you um and basically just look out the window and see what happens but the weather plays such a massive part in cricket the amount of time i spent looking at uh, ground stuff mopping up covers rather than actually watching cricket it's kind of soul destroying sometimes yeah, no, I'm exactly the same. The amount of hours I must have just been sat at grounds when it's been pouring down with rain and, and hoping that it stops. What was it then that got you into cricket? What was your first game that you saw? What was it that appealed to you? Um, it's hard to remember. I mean, my dad's a massive cricket fan and my, my granddad was the same. And my dad grew up going to Lancashire, so he's from Preston. Um, and Ooh, so I kind of have been... Right. I'm, I'm sat in Yorkshire, you can't say that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So um, I've kind of always been around people who love cricket. Um, And I suppose 
I grew up going to a couple of games at Warwickshire. Um, my dad uh, took us to Lords a couple of times when I was mm. younger, just to see. It was like charity matches. I think we saw MCC versus Rest of the World. Where I saw Shane Warne play, but I never saw him bowl because he broke his finger um, in that game. So I think it's twenty fourteen. Um, so I had experiences like that, and that kind of made me just fall in love with cricket. And I think something like Test Match Special plays a massive part as well because. Yeah. Even if I couldn't go to the games, my dad would be sat in the lounge with the radio on, just listening to it, and we could just sit there for hours, and it kind of soundtracks your entire life. So that, I think, is when I first fell in love with cricket, because I realised this is something that takes up your whole day. You can have, you know, two, three meals whilst you're watching it. It's it's the ideal <laughs> sport. I am... Um amount of times I've driven a long journey and test match specials kept me company and you basically the, the time flies it goes really quickly and the, the, the miles quickly get lapped up um as a young woman then in sport I mean I know um you cover football a bit as well don't you into into your football mm -hmm. yeah um how how is that I mean I've, I've spoken to um I mean you're involved aren't you in her game too we've had the um ladies from say no to sexism on the cricket badger podcast in the in the not too dim distant past as well and I know probably the world is changing and hopefully for the better, but still for women in sport, it's maybe not quite a level playing field and not quite, uh, there is quite a lot of misogyny around. Yeah, it, it's difficult. Um, and I think it's something perhaps I was a bit naive to when I was getting into it because, you know, as far as I've ever known, you know, my family have been so supportive of anything I've wanted to do with sport. So, mm. you know, I didn't kind of realise how much sexism there was, but I think it's quite difficult because a lot of people are quite sexist and misogynistic and sometimes don't realise it. So it's kind of, it's difficult to call out sometimes. And I think especially when, if you're on your own and someone says something to you, it's hard to challenge it in that situation. I remember um, I was at Warwickshire back in April, I think, and someone came up to me and, and said something like, oh, was your boyfriend dragged you along? I was like... No, I'm actually here to watch the cricket because I love watching the county championship. I want to sit here and watch it. And about two minutes later, Mark Robinson came over to me and started chatting to me because I'd interviewed him the previous week. And I was like, those lads had no idea that that was the case. Um, mm. And they just they just made a, a stupid comment, which, you know, it didn't affect me that much, but it was just unnecessary and annoying. And I think that kind of sums up that a lot of it is just unnecessary and annoying. Um, I suppose if you dig into it deeper there's a whole thing about uh, lack of opportunities and I think that's a massive issue and perhaps you know if if I had seen cricket when I was much younger in terms of being able to play it like in school you know I could mm. I could have gone so much further in cricket but I was never given that opportunity um, so there are so many things that I feel so strongly about um, I think that's why I've loved getting involved with her game too because that kind of centralizes all of it and it focuses it um, really well and I can I can play my part and do something active to kind of make it better for the next generation. I'll read out your bio off the Her Game 2 site in a second because I think it's quite, it's quite good but the uh, I, I mean I, I'm older than you quite obviously <laughs> and um, I, I kind of remember when the England women's cricket team were wearing short skirts and it was kind of, you know, going back almost into the black and white days for me. But the things have changed a lot. I mean, we've obviously seen the the IPL, the Women's Premier League over there now, their equivalent, which has been talked about for a long time. And, and, and I know I've tweeted in the past, well, why, why can't you get a women's IPL actually um, put some of this money to a good use? But it, it actually is now, isn't it? 
So women, um, it, they may still be a little bit behind in the game, but they're catching up quite quick, quickly. We've seen football, the Euros, and then the England women's team inspiring a new generation of uh, young women footballers. And hopefully we'll get that in cricket as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think people are seeing the value of women's sport. You know, it's been kind of behind closed doors for a long time and, and not visible at all. But people are realising it's such a marketable product. And, you know, whether that's a good thing, if, you know, people's intentions are right, you know, that's a different debate. But I think actually it's a really easy product to sell to people yeah. um, because it's good quality. It's I would argue a lot more, I don't like using the word wholesome, but I would say a lot more pure than the men's game a lot of the time. Um, and because it's been held back, I always say that it can create its own pathway. It doesn't have to you know, copy what men's cricket or men's football does or whatever. Um, so I think it, it's a really good product that's on the rise. And, and you saw with the Premier, like the Women's Premier League that that's huge you know the amount of money that's gone into that that, the investment and I suppose it's also the the confidence of the investors to be like okay this is actually a product that's going to do really well um Mm. and I I think it's going to pay us it's going to be massive and there are concerns about that's it's creating more disparity between you know the top you know the India Australia England and smaller nations and that's yeah again that's another debate but actually what it's doing for the visibility of women's cricket across the world, but especially in India, um, it's transformative and it's going to be a really exciting next few years. You are listening to the Cricket Badger podcast. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Is there any part of you, Polly, um, who thinks that because I've been to some England women's cricket games, and I think it's really charming. It's quite patronising. I don't mean it to be patronising, but it was a kind of small crowd. It felt quite intimate. You felt quite close to the players. Everything had a bit more of a club feel. It felt friendly, uh, and the atmosphere between the players was friendly as well. Is there a part of you that actually maybe wants to keep it like that? Because obviously the more money that comes in, if you get a massive women's Premier League, there's millions of, um, well, lack rolling around in, in the game. Maybe if it, it starts to become a bit more like the men's game, becomes more professional, becomes players become more distant and it maybe spoils it a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Because, I mean, I see both sides of it. Because, of course, I want more professionals. I want, I want more investment. But naturally, a consequence of that is you're going to lose that kind of nicer side to it. Yeah. And I, I kind of get that's slightly inevitable. But I think also women's cricket... It needs to hold on to those things about the players being so accessible. Um, I think, of course, I want bigger, bigger crowds and you know better atmosphere, things like that. But actually, sometimes it's really nice having you know a slightly smaller crowd and the yeah. players are are really close to the fans and things like that. And um, I suppose there's less ego perhaps within the game, and um, people are friends with each other from all these different nations, and there's not as much hostility I suppose is sometimes you see in the men's game um but at the same time I know that if we want it to be a successful product and if we want it to become fully professional 
sometimes you're going to have to let go of those slight things. But I think it's really important that players, fans, anyone working within cricket actually sees the product as it was originally and be like, we need to actually really hold on to this because Mm -hmm. it's something really positive and it it would be a real shame to see it go. You mentioned ego there. Does the increased bank balances and stuff like that maybe kind of make people more egotistical and there's, there's maybe a little bit more com- competition because the next auction comes around you want to you know maybe elbow out somebody else and you get the big bucks instead you know that that, that might change, change the dynamic a little bit too yeah I think it's an it's a difficult one to navigate with pay really because the women's game of, has never had a challenge quite like this and they've of always course, been miles behind haven't they as well exactly yeah. this is the thing and the amount of money we're talking about with the women's IPR I mean you saw um, Smriti Mandana went for like 340k or something and actually that's way more than an entire 100 team are given to hand out to all their players so it's not just you know a slightly bigger raise it's a humongous raise and I think especially for young players that's a bit concerning because I mean I saw Alice Capsi went for 75,000 she's a couple of months older than me I do not know what I would do with that money but I would be kind of ridiculously irresponsible with it probably um but things like that I'm I'm a few decades older and (laughs) I'd be very irresponsible with it too yeah but I think the kind of that's a good example actually with her being 18 you've got players in that England side who are five ten years older than her that probably have a lot more experience and they haven't got a, a contract and actually that that's a really difficult dynamic to work out because of course she's a really talented player but there are players in that side who arguably from the outside deserve it more and yeah. they haven't got those contracts and so it's it's really difficult because of course people are going to be like oh I'm really happy for them whatever but deep inside you know, people want to play cricket people want to be earning a living from cricket and if yeah. those opportunities kind of don't don't come to them then it's just it's difficult it's like any job really that if if someone else gets it you know you're going to be a bit annoyed but when that's concentrated into one dressing room one environment it's kind of yeah impossible to navigate really the the word resentment kind of comes to mind doesn't it it happened in the uh it was happening in the men's game isn't it because you get the big books going off to the franchises and Mm -hmm. somebody could be sat next to somebody all summer in england um, and the guy next to them is earning, I don't know how many more, hundreds of thousands of pounds per year more because, and they, they might think they're actually better or whatever, that they might be five years older and seen as being too old for some of the franchises. Yeah. It maybe does create a little bit of an, an us and them kind of situation, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think it's also, naturally, I think it'll create a bit of jealousy and that, mm. again, that increased ego thinking, oh, why did they, they don't deserve that, I should be getting this place. And even if they don't, even if players don't vocalise that, that tension, I think, will yeah. still be there. And I think especially as the media talk about it, you think about someone like Danny Wyatt, who's missed out, there's been a bit of talk about that. And, you know, she said that she's disappointed with it. And you would hope that doesn't affect team dynamics but in a way, how could it not? Because that's such a massive opportunity that she hasn't been given, that younger players have been given. So See, it's a really interesting it's, one. It's probably even more marked at the moment, isn't it? Because it's the first mm-hmm. time around. There's players that are established, like Danny White, who's been around for a while now, who has missed the boat this time, who's probably just thinking, if they could have only just done this three years earlier, I'd have been yeah. a, a shoe in You know, it's, it's, it must be really frustrating. But 
Um, that's the negative side. I'm kind of concentrating on the negatives. It's actually brilliant for women's sport, isn't it? It's brilliant for women's cricket. Yeah, definitely. It's been, oh, I'm so excited because I, I was a bit sceptical at first because of the negative sides. But I think just the talk all this week about how transformative it will be, I think yeah. certainly for the like the Indian domestic players, there's just been so many incredible stories coming from that. Um, and I think for young girls around the world, that's now something they can aim for. Um, and they realise this is very much a, a job now. You can definitely make a living. Um, I think that was apparent when regional contracts came in in England. But this is a whole, this is so much more money. Um, and players can be like, well, I can play international cricket. I can play in the 100 WBBL, the Caribbean Premier League. Now, um, the well, the Women's Premier League or IPL. Um, there are just so many opportunities. And I think the the thing that speaks more volumes is the fact that people are willing to invest and invest a lot of money that people have not been willing to before and there's been a lot of reluctance they'll be like oh you know we'll, we'll do this but it won't be as big as the men's product but this is like we're gonna throw everything at this we're gonna put all our money into this and we want it to be a successful product and that's the impression I've got um which is just yeah really exciting for women's cricket I can remember talking to Lauren Winfield Hill she wasn't the hill part when I spoke to her but the that was just after England brought in the the contracts that they could be centrally contracted. So that obviously the big hike in pay for her at the time um, and, and the rest of the England team. But we've gone on a country mile since then, haven't we? Because now, you know, 350,000, you know, whatever. It's just it's eye-watering money. And it's like you said, it's now gone from being a situation where young girls are looking at it and thinking, well, this could be a a reasonable living. So this could actually make me a star and make me rich, isn't it? It's a totally different thing. Yeah, it's an interesting one because, I mean, from my perspective, I do worry a bit, you know, will people lose that love for the game and will it all be about money? Because I think that's something the women's game has, has done really well. That obviously at one point people were actually playing for the love of the game because they weren't earning any money. But even when central contract contracts came in, people still um, kind of, always went back to that love for the game because they weren't these massive stars. They weren't getting recognised all around the place. Um, but I think with something like the Premier League, that could change quite a bit. Um, but at the same time, it's such an exciting opportunity that people can aspire to something massive, which is just, which you think, I mean, 10 years ago, that was, you couldn't even be a professional cricketer if you were a woman in England, which yeah. is just crazy to think about well Lydia Greenway was the guest on the podcast just a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about exactly that that she had to coach to earn a bit of a living to actually fund um playing cricket and that isn't the case now you don't have to do uh, another job to play cricket cricket can be your job and you can be very well rewarded for it I mean I, I, I know what you're saying about the money side of things I mean I've always been a bit of a, an opponent of the hundred the men's hundred because I think it has a knock-on effect and a detrimental effect potentially um, short-term, medium-term, long-term, whatever, with the 18 counties. The one big plus for the 100 for me was the women's side of it because that's actually given the women exposure um, and it's given them TV time and, and yeah, made them um, able to earn a few more pounds as well in an English summer, which is, that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's a tough one because... I've kind of always been quite positive of the 100, but mainly for the women's side. Mm. Um, I mean, I didn't watch tons of the men's because they aren't getting the big stars. They can't pay 
um, you know, your big T20 players from all over the world. So I would, they're, they're very different products because the women, the women's hundred has the best players all around the world attracted to it because this is where the money is, which to be fair could change now with the Premier League. But um, I think, yeah, it's an interesting one because I don't think the women's hundred would have been as successful without having it attached to the men's and having that double header kind of format and the. Well, would it have been? Teams. Would it have actually be? Would it have actually been viable because the money wouldn't have come into the game probably without the men being attached to it, would it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it would have. And to be fair, even before COVID, they were, you know, they were talking about the women would be playing at kind of the second grounds. Yeah. And so I think, you know, Birmingham Phoenix would be playing at New Road in Worcestershire and things like that. So it was even quite a separate tournament before. But then when the product finally came together after COVID, I, I just don't think without the men's, it would have been a viable situation or perhaps even something that, you know, the ECB would have considered because I know there was the Super League before, but that was nothing compared to the 100. You know, they were getting way uh, smaller crowds. The marketing was so different. Um, but I think the 100 has kind of put women's cricket on the map because it's been marketed completely different to anything before. And it's had that parity with the men. Um, and I think the double header format's been really successful. Um, and it's been, it's an interesting one because when it was for, uh, like first thought up, there wasn't professionalism at regional level for women or right. county level as, as it was then. So it, it has been this massive step up and I think it needed the men's alongside it to work. Um, but at the same time, I, I understand why people oppose it for the kind of sake of the counties. Um, and as someone who loves watching county cricket, I get that and I understand it. Um, but I don't know what's, what the solution would be. It's kind of like juggling it around, isn't it? Trying yeah. to get the pros and uh, trying to ignore the cons or... Bury your head in the sand and like if you like me and try and forget the cons are there. My name is Jacob and I sent the Badger a message and now I'm on the podcast with this jingle. If you would like to get in touch with the Cricket Badger podcast, then tweet at cricket underscore badger. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I, I'm going to read out your uh, your, your bio um, then. Where are we? Here we go. Um Warwickshire CCC ambassador for her game too, Polly Starkey. Um, sport can be an incredible vehicle to drive change in the wider world. And I think the Her Game 2 campaign is an incredible opportunity and platform to increase the LGBTQIA plus representation in sport and be a place where open discussions about inclusivity in sport can take place. Sport is for everyone and should be a place where people can be open about themselves. I, I really like that as a, as a paragraph. Uh, I think that's important. I mean, I, I've been um, a little bit involved in the Yorkshire racism stuff. Obviously, you're talking there about um, a different type of inclusivity, but it's all the same, isn't it? It's all about making people feel welcome in the sport. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's one of those things where I see sport, as I said in there, as a massive opportunity to create change because the people that attracted 
to sport are just general people like you know around the world and so I think actually using something they already love as a way to show them all these other things that are great is is kind of the perfect way to do it because I think they're a lot more likely to listen because if you just you know give someone a leaflet or just like put an advert up they're going to ignore it because if they have preconceived ideas they're probably not going to like it um but if you use sport to kind of be like this is a really positive thing or we should think about this as a society then that I think that's kind of one of the best ways to to make change in the world and I think uh, role models is another one that sport provides so many role models um certainly you know women's sport has so many LGBT like uh role models representatives um and so I think that's a that's another good way to change people's perceptions because you kind of expose them to a, a wider pool of people that perhaps they haven't come across before and that's I think how you change attitudes well I mentioned to you the other day before you came on about your um article um I was reading that the other day what men's football could learn about LGBTQ plus inclusion from women's football and I was reading that about you know much more um obvious gay female footballers than male I mean there are hardly any you can count on one hand can't you the number of men um, footballers that have come out as being gay and I was after reading that I was thinking about cricket as well and it's the same in cricket isn't it you've got um, England women's cricketers you know getting married being very happy about it nobody other than when you see a few people from India on Twitter um, making any negativity about it um, and yet in the men's side of things the kind of law of averages there has to be some gay cricketers out there but they're not very vocal are they they're quiet (laughs) yeah yeah and I think it's um I think it's similar with football that it's a a culture thing and Mm. I think there is with women's sport because it's been held back for so long it's kind of like anything goes really like people are very accepting because they understand that there's already been this struggle to play the sport in the first place um and I think yeah, there are so many things you could, you could link it to. But I think with, with men's sport, because there's been this, a lot of the time, like kind of an alpha male culture, which is kind of very, firstly, you don't talk about your feelings, you just get on with the sport, you're rough, all this sort of thing. And I think a dressing room culture as well plays a big part that you, you know, there's, I don't know how to describe it, kind of a, a laddish sort mm. of, yeah, I don't know how to describe it, but... It's, I think that I think that's enough. I think laddish is yeah. quite a good example here. Yeah, but it, it's an intimidating environment. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, for example, if, if someone wants to talk about their sexuality, a lot of people are going to be like quite offensive about it and going to be like, oh, you know, all this stuff. And I think that that makes it quite difficult because then, as from a fan's perspective, they don't have role models within the game, so they might, you know they might have questions about their sexuality, but actually they're finding it difficult because they don't have someone, I suppose, representing them or whatever. And and that is a whole other thing. But I think, yeah, dressing room culture and fan culture is is massive and the women's game has got that so right. Mm. Um, And I think the men can learn a lot from that. And you've seen over the last couple of weeks, there have been loads of homophobic chants at uh, men's football games. And it's just like, what like how do you expect players to be able to come out if that is the message that fans are giving i i was talking to somebody else about this this morning i mentioned you coming on and this this subject and it almost needs somebody um of the stature of a harry kane or a mason mount or 
you know, somebody that's in the England team, somebody right at the very top deck to actually say, I don't actually give a crap. I am gay and I am proud of it. You know, do what you like. I'm, I'm, I want to be who I am. I, you know, it, to, to actually kind of just open it up and make it, you know, accessible. But I, then we started talking about it. And if, if somebody in the Premier League, stroke England International or something like that, did come out as gay, what the um, reaction would be to that. And I'd find, I, I, well, I'd be scared to find out actually, because I think it would be quite nasty. Because I think probably, um, I'm a Leeds fan, probably if a Leeds player came out as being gay, the Leeds um, supporters would probably get behind him. He's one of our own, let's look after him kind of stuff, until he started playing badly. And then that would probably then backfire. But then all of the other teams you play, all of the opposition would probably have some horrendous chance. Yeah, no, I think, I think fear's a massive one because... It's not only, I think it's quite difficult sometimes to be able to just be like, yeah, this is who I am. And that's just to your kind of close circle. But to do that to a group of people who, firstly, you don't know their reaction. Secondly, they have a history of being very homophobic and could be quite violent with it. Mm. It's just like, well, why would you do that? Um, yeah. And it's, it's just like, it's kind of the the complete opposite human reaction to do that, to be like, okay, well, I'm going to put myself in this position, which is actually kind of dangerous. Um, so I think it, I think the culture of like fan culture does need to change, but then it's like to, for that to happen, does a player need to come out then? So it's, it's a difficult one to mm. kind of figure out, but it does need to change because it's, it's horrific. And I think one player coming out could, change so much especially for a lot of young boys who love football um it, it could change everything so it's a yeah it's a difficult one there was just in fashion who wasn't there years ago who ended up committing suicide mm -hmm. and yeah. uh but then more recently there's maybe two or three players around the world that have actually come out there's one young mm -hmm. lad in in this country and i can't remember his name which is bad of me um which actually is probably a good thing isn't it it hasn't kind of burnt into yeah. my psyche um but the um yeah it's not very many but then you see more and more people having retired say right i'm going to be who i am now but they don't have to face the crowds then do they because they're not actually playing anymore yeah that i think that's a massive one they don't have to face the crowds they don't have to face teammates because i think that's sometimes difficult because i think a lot of teammates yeah would rally around you but mm. you don't know that reaction and because you're always kind of with your teammates all through the week you 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 play with them you travel with them a lot of the time if if one person in that dressing room doesn't accept you or has a problem with it then that is that is really difficult um and then I think it's also with I suppose men's football there's a lot about the image of a player and if that player then comes out a lot of brands might not want to work with them and things like that and as as horrific as that is Actually, that's another reason why people might not want to come out because that it could affect their career. It, it makes me laugh sometimes because I I watch these footballers. I, I do quite a bit of work in football, and you see them, and they're more than happy to pose on the front cover of GQ with a six pack and the big muscles. But somebody kind of wafts past them in the penalty area and brushes the hair on their knee, and they're down as if they've been shot. Um, and you know, there's kind of that kind of manly image suddenly sort of disappears. Mm. Then you can get knocked over by a feather almost in the penalty area. It doesn't quite mesh for me sometimes. You know, this manly image of a footballer with all the muscles, but then you'll go down as if you've been um, shot from the, the stands if you've just kind of brushed by to get, to win a penalty. Um, yeah, it's a very complicated area. I mean, in cricket, Stephen Davis wasn't it who came out, mm -hmm. and nobody cricket seems to be in, in that respect far more accepting. Um, of uh, 
I don't think, I, I don't know, I've not spoken to him, but I don't think he's ever had any issues with that. Yeah, I think cricket's kind of on the whole a bit better. I think certainly um, with the female players that, that I, you know, I don't know of mm. that much going on. Um, I think it sometimes club cricket perhaps is where it's more the issue um, mm. because I think that kind of dressing room culture probably exists a little bit more um, at like kind of grassroots level, which which is really sad. And I think that's, you know, I know a few people that have been put off playing village cricket because that's the culture and it, and it is quite homophobic. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I would say cricket is probably better than football in that aspect. But I think that's also to do with the culture. You know, cricket doesn't have a history of like, crazy hooliganism and stuff like that so I think it, it is slightly different I just wonder in cricket if it's just a little bit more behind the behind the hand kind of thing rather than the big crowd chance mm. it's more kind of whispers in the stands that probably yeah. nobody ever picks up on um, but maybe that's a good thing I don't know um, or a bad thing I don't, I don't know um, I'm going to play an advert now Manscaped are our sponsor I'll see you the other side of this Badges are furry creatures. 85% of women badges think bad grooming is a major turn-off. 80% of women badges think men should trim below the belt. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to the professional success. Don't just dismiss it out of hand. Get on there, manscaped.com. Check out their great range of male grooming accessories. Hygiene, appearance, attractiveness, confidence. Simply go to manscaped.com, quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com, together we save balls. Just another little advert before I uh, move back to Polly. Um, There's my mug. I have got Cricket Coffee Co. in my mug today. It's actually very good. I've got the uh, the Bearstow blend. There's a Yorkie. There's the Bearstow blend. And I've been um, crunching that together. Quite badger with that as well. You get 10% off from me, Cricket Coffee Co. Oh, that's worth watching, the Cricket Badger podcast. Um, Polly, it's very good to have you here today, Polly Starkey. I've, I've mentioned, um, I was talking to a friend earlier who said, is she, is she related to Mitchell Starkey? That was, wasn't was funny at all when he said it. And it's not funny when I say it. But, um, it's <laughs> very, know, very... Yeah, I do get that actually. So yeah. a lot of people think Starkey is not actually my surname. It's and it's a nickname, and yeah. my surnames. You know, I, I'm related to Mitchell <laughs> Stark, mate. Definitely not. Um, we're talking about the, the rise and rise of uh, women's cricket and women's cricketers over the uh, last decade, really, and obviously most notably in the last week with the uh, the prices that we've been talking about in the auction and what have you, and the opportunities that are there for the players. I guess from your point of view as well. Um, covering the game, there's more opportunities for you potentially. It's a good time to be you. Yeah, it is a great time to be me. Um, Yeah, I think I've kind of fit really well with the rise of women's cricket in terms of covering it um, because it was uh, January 2021 when I started the the podcast with my dad and, and that kind of was at a point where women's cricket had just introduced professional contracts at domestic level and really it was taking off. Um, and all the opportunities I've had since have, have come at a time when the game is still very accessible. And so actually getting into the game then, hopefully as it becomes more professional, means I can, I can stay within it. Mm. 
I mean, I mentioned earlier that it was Roberta, um, the uh, Brazilian women's captain, who was an inductee on the uh, Cricket Badger podcast uh, last year. I mean, she's incredible. I love uh, Roberta. She's so passionate about cricket, and what she's doing in Brazil is is magnificent. You know, the hard work she's putting in there is really reaping its rewards. But it must be nice to be uh, nominated by somebody of her calibre because she's great, isn't she? Oh, it was absolutely amazing. I love Roberta. Um, yeah, she's just great. I remember during lockdown, I, I kind of saw some of her stuff on social media and that's how I first came across her. Oh, she's and, a bit mad as well, isn't she? She just is. A little, a little bit crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I saw her stuff and we, we started chatting and then we got her on the podcast and she was over in England in, in the summer mm-hmm. and we showed her around Birmingham and the Commonwealth Games were on at that time. So we kind of showed her the best of Birmingham and it's just it's incredible to create those friendships overseas um and I think yeah what she's doing in Brazil is incredible and I'm very jealous that she has a net in her back garden because every cricket badger wants that <laughs> her um she's got an English husband and I think she he um she works him like a dog he basically seems to feed her bulls 24-7, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, fant- fantastic lady, Roberta. Um, you mentioned Birmingham. I mentioned to you before we press record, I've got a, a movie set just outside my flat uh, in Bradford. They're putting up, like, um, they're basically trying to create a 1940s um, war feel. Oprah Winfrey, apparently, is coming to Bradford tomorrow to star in this film. And they're trying to make it look like Birmingham. I mean, we don't know why they couldn't have done it outside your house. Yeah, I mean, come to Birmingham, it's wonderful. I don't think it quite looks like the 1940s anymore, but they can give it a go. I mentioned some of them were trying to make um, Bradford look like a bomb site, and uh, they said, why are they taking three weeks to do that? It only takes five (laughs) minutes, it's already there. I thought, that's charming. Anyway, (laughs) back back to the cricket. I mean, you mentioned Warwickshire, that's your team? Yeah, yeah. So that's my local county. I mean, yeah, as I say, my dad grew up going to Lancashire. So I always, I love going to Old Trafford. I've got a soft spot for Lancashire. But um, yeah, if I kind of want to see local cricket, I'll always go to Warwickshire. And I got a membership last year and I I kind of stuck with the Bears. Favourite players? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I really like um, OHD. I think he's great. Um, I watched oh, you him. Fa- you finally mentioned a Yorkie. So he's, he's a Yorkie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who else I really enjoyed watching last year. Will Rhodes. Good. Another um, Yorkie. Yeah. <sighs> Digging myself a hole here. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I really got into watching the County Championship last year because obviously I've watched the women for a while and we got some cracking players. Izzy Wong, Eve Jones, um, Marie Kelly, even though she's moved regional team, she's she's stuck as captain. Um, so yeah, no, no, Warwickshire have got, got a great team. I mean, a lot, a lot of the um, opportunities for women are in the shorter form, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And, you know, even that, um, how many tests have England played? Um, test, you know, four day tests, aren't they? And they have, they've played a handful in the last, I don't know, six years or something yeah. like that. Um, and Australia don't play many more, and they're the big nations. You know, mm-hmm. the, some of the other smaller nations are, don't play at all, do they? Um, I mean, I'm concerned about the men's game and the Red Bull side of things, mm-hmm. and um, we're seeing in in some of the smaller countries, or le- not smaller countries necessarily, but uh, um, lesser in terms of stature in cricket. Um, Test cricket getting smaller and smaller crowds, and the white ball stuff taking over. Is that? I mean, I was going to say, is that a concern in women's cricket? It's never really been the other way, has it? In women's cricket, they haven't got the history of a long championship or anything like that. So, how do we get red balls into the hands of these women's players? Yeah, it's, it's something I've been thinking about for a couple of years because I think the big barrier was professionalism. That 
actually how could you play a, a three four day game when all these other players had jobs like the, yeah. you know they couldn't yeah. just be like oh sorry I've got to take four days off work to go and play a cricket match because you know most bosses would not allow that but I think with more professionalism it's becoming a viable option this summer there'll be 10 professional domestic players in each team and if you add the England players into that then there'll be kind of 13 14 players in some teams so it is becoming more of an option and I would love to see obviously you've got Rachel Hayer Flint Charlotte Edwards Cup but having you know a third trophy uh, where you play a couple of four-day games in a season I think it would be great because otherwise players are turning up play test cricket for England and they've never they've never done it before they've never played uh for more than 50 overs which is quite a bizarre thing to think I mean Lauren Bell and Izzy Wong made their England debuts in the test format and it's just like they're doing something for their country but they've never even done it before which is is quite mad when you kind of put in that perspective and I think it's also a thing of loads like most children who watch cricket want to play long form like they grow up dreaming of wearing cricket whites and and whether that's their county or their country playing multi-day cricket and to not give that opportunity to domestic or international players is is really sad and it's why I think the women's ashes is such a special chance because they played this you know one-off test and of course this day it's there this year is going to be five days which is which is amazing but I think it does need to come in at domestic level because otherwise players aren't prepared for, for international cricket. And it's they're usually really good matches, aren't they, the, the women's yeah. tests? And then we don't have another one for 12 months. It's just it's, it's crazy, isn't it? Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You mentioned youngsters being inspired and kind of people of my generation and, and more recently have been inspired by Red Bull wanting to play test cricket and wanting to match their stats against the greats of yesteryear and that kind of thing. Um, but I guess, sadly, from my point of view, um, a lot of the youngsters that are coming through now are getting inspired by the white ball stuff. They're seeing the Women's Premier League and the and the, the amounts of money. They're seeing the IEPL and all of these franchise tournaments around the world, which to me blur into one and become just like a oh, – it's just another competition another week with different players in. But that's what is possibly turning on the youngsters now, isn't it? And that's maybe another nail in the coffin of Test cricket. Yeah, I think it's an interesting one because – of course, like if a little kid sings, sees, you know, a, a batter constantly hit sixes, that's so exciting. Yeah. Um, but I think it's sad that kind of the the thrill you get at test matches, a lot of people don't appreciate anymore. I think perhaps um, the quote unquote baseball era is slightly changing that. Yeah. Um, but then again, some people don't don't even like that because that's losing the kind of traditional way of playing cricket. But I think I see it in two lights because I understand that every sport develops and the way of playing kind of develops over time. Um, but I think, yeah, if you can get a, a seven, eight-year-old kid hooked in cricket by the T20 format, 
what's to say they're not going to end up enjoying test cricket? Um, because, I mean, I I love, I, I literally watch any format of cricket and I love it. Um, and just because I like T20 doesn't mean the next day I don't want to watch a, a game all day and then do that for the next four or five days. So, yeah, I think it's a difficult one because if children aren't interested in watching test cricket originally, then they might just never come to cricket. But if you in- introduce them to a T20 or an ODI and they watch that and love it, they might eventually end up kind of coming to longer format cricket and really enjoy that. You mentioned basketball and I I, I don't know, I, I, I think it's been brilliant to watch. And certainly that test match in Pakistan, England would never have won that. Um, it would have always been a draw historically. But I just wonder if... Uh, Maybe it's just me being negative again, but I just wonder if that is sustainable, whether playing against an Australian side or a, a stronger side in a big, long competition, whether they're going to be able to just hit out like they have been doing, whether they'll just come unstuck and be bowled out for 43 one day and just fall in a heap. But we'll see. So far, they've been proving me wrong. Um, but a continuation of that, um, the England women's team taking on Australia then, will they be buzzballing up or will they be more traditional, do you think? It's difficult. I think there is now kind of this mindset across English cricket, like we're going to go for it. Um, And I think I really like that. But I also know how good Australia are. And if you do kind of go for it, Australia is still going to find a way. Um, Like Australia women's bowling attack is absolutely insane. They've got incredible spinners like Alana King, who's made a debut last summer in all formats and has just kind of... Mm. risen so fast and then they've got so there was so much like young talent coming through and I was listening to a podcast the other day and there was a question on there about oh well what's going to happen to Australia in five years because loads of their players are going to retire like you know Alyssa Healy Beth Mooney players like that and they were like don't worry we have got young players coming through and we've seen them in the WBBL we've seen some of them making debuts for Australia and they're just insane like they're a whole other level because they've had that structure in place so I think England, when they are eventually going to face Australia, probably in this T20 World Cup, I think they do have to have that mindset of, or as they call it, kind of like positive intent, things like that. Yeah. But I think also they do need to be cautious because they need to remember they're playing against Australia. It's all well and good doing that yeah. against the West Indies or or Ireland, but Australia are completely, they're just a different breed and they will punish you for anything you do. I, I love, I, I really like buzzball, but I just think you still need to defend the good balls yeah. um you still need to keep them out don't you and there'll be plenty coming down from australia <coughs> excuse me and yeah so that, that would be uh potentially a concern for me um what next for you then as we as we look forward yeah um i'm not entirely sure to be honest so um I'm in my last year of A-levels, which is a nightmare. So I've got about four months left. Luckily, my last exam is four days before the start of the Women's Ashes. So um, hopefully I'll be kind of doing a bit of work on that, probably some writing. Um, we'll obviously be podcasting and stuff. My kind of big future plan is, I, I mean, I want to work in cricket full time. Um, that's kind of no secret. I would love to be on Test Match Special. I love doing commentary. Um, but then equally, I also love writing. Um, and that's kind of a passion I've found over the last year. Um, so just to kind of cover men's cricket, women's cricket um, in any way that I can, I would love I would love to do so much because it's something that that's already given me so many amazing opportunities. Um, and I kind of just want to continue that. But yeah, finish school first and 
then get a degree because if I don't do it straight away, I'll, I'll never end up doing it. <laughs> I need a bit of security somehow. <laughs> um, give you a podcast a plug then. Because I mean, I, a lot of people wonder why I mention other people's podcasts. I just think it's all cricket together, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of like if you listen to podcasts, you'd like to listen to more than one. So get people interested in podcasts. So what's yours? Um, so it's called the Naughty Child Podcast. So um, kind of doesn't make a lot of sense because it didn't actually start as a cricket podcast, but it's kind of all about it's, it's me and my dad. So um, it's kind of about the fact that I was born in the noughties um, and kind of how that differs from him being born in the seventies. Um, but yeah, we talk all things women's cricket. We have a guest every week who's involved in women's cricket so whether that's a player coach commentator things like that um and we kind of talk through current events um and big stories in women's cricket give our opinions um and yeah it's just kind of light-hearted uh quite relaxed so yeah marvelous well make sure you tune into that after you listen to the cricket pageant podcast but she's on this one anyway so you can you get <laughs> double bubble don't you um anyway it's been an absolute pleasure um polly to uh, have you on the um, cricket pageant podcast today um i wish you well for your future and um stay in uh, stay in touch and uh, keep loving cricket and congratulations again on your uh, position in the cricket badger set of fame wonderful thank you so much for having me and uh, thanks out there, everybody, for uh, watching and uh, listening later as well. Um, Cricket Badger Podcast is just around the corner. Um, just uh, re to re reiterate, we've had uh, four inductees into the uh, Cricket Badger um, set of fame this year. Valentine's Day, it's the day of love. It's the day to demonstrate your love of cricket. David Griffin, Polly Starkey on the screen there. Roland Butcher and Justin Langer, the inductees into the Cricket Badger pod of fame this year. Um, I will see you again soon, Cricket Badgers. You take care of yourselves. Tune in next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.